Hey guys, welcome to Northern Rolls. My name is George Gordon. I'm here with my buddy Dave Kleinman. And this is a sports and culture podcast in which we talk about what fictional character reminds us of a, a certain athlete or a certain media character. You're going to hear us cover a lot of topics. Dave, take it away. We're going to get to that for sure. I would say that I, first I got to give a shout out to my man Dom, a.k.a. Kazo Oslo, C-A-Z-E-A-U-X-O-S-L-O. That's a mouthful, but please look him up on everything he did, our opening theme. He is incredible. Dom, thank you again. When I heard it the first time, I ran around the room jumping up and down. It's amazing. Thank you. Quick shout out to my wonderful fiance, Hillary, who did our logo for this show. She is incredible. In this pandemic time, she has taught herself to become a graphic designer and a video editor, essentially overnight. Her talent that she has is unbelievable. Uh, thank you. I love you. Quick shout out to my dog, Wallace, who I'm sure you're going to hear later. I apologize. We'll try to keep that at the best we can. Like I said, we're new at this. We're, we'll, we'll get there. You know, I just want to say, bear with us. We're going to give ourselves the freedom to go on some tangents and explore some things. This one's going to be a little long, but we are going to get to that main segment of who's who, where we go back and forth. Today's show, we're making comparisons with The Wire. So if you've ever wanted to hear about who the MJ of The Wire was, stay tuned. First, it's going to be a little segment that we call Corner Talk, which is where we do a roundup of you know, things that have caught our eye or what we've done recently, and so we can chop it up. Dave, what's on your corner this week? Well, I'm going to say the first thing that is on my corner, I want to take this opportunity to mourn, but also to celebrate the work of... Malik B or Malik B from the Roots who sadly passed. We'd be remiss if we didn't take a minute to really appreciate him and the band in general. I think he, you know, he's someone who he wasn't in the group the entire time, but in and out and especially those the first few albums, his presence is, is very, very heavy felt. And I just, I kind of, I got a couple of lines here just because from like a writer's perspective, this guy was on another level. Here's a favorite couple of lines from 100% Dundee. I'm just going to speak out. I'm not going to pretend to rap. Got the personality named Trife, ready to heist. Smashing graphs, snatch the ice, crush your mental device. Thought twice, should have thought once, got played for the dunce. Dialogues I moderate, cool out, we out of state. I could go on and on, but this guy was a legend, man. Oh, no, he was, he was, he was great. I have a little place in my heart for the M-A-L-I-K-B. I've seen The Roots like six times, but I saw The Roots as my first concert in 1975 on the uh, Do You Want More tour, uh, them opening for the Fugees. So definitely uh, pour one out for Malik B. An underrated contributor of the band, considering that he's one of the, the founding members, uh, him and Hub and Blackout and Amir Thompson. Those first, uh, those first few records with him and Rozelle and all those original members, I mean, that's some of the best pure hip-hop you're ever going to listen Absolutely. Yeah, they, that, they have a run of, see, it's, uh, see, see end of, he's on Do You Want More, Eldel, Half-Life, Things Fall Apart, which is probably their best record. It doesn't how you feel if you like that record over the later ones. But, uh, uh, I'm not going to argue with that. I could probably put, you know, one or two, honestly, Illidelph Half-Life and Do You Want More, I think, are almost underrated. They're in a very specific pocket, but yeah. they're just incredible. But Do You Want More is really a complete masterpiece. Yeah, no, I mean, like... I, I mean, uh, uh, really Things Fall Apart. Things Fall Apart. 
Things fall apart. It's incredible. I did a podcast yeah. this year. Uh, shout out to uh, Swatches and Boomboxes, my friends over there. It's a hip hop podcast, and I did The Roots Come Alive, uh, which is, I think, the last record that he's on. And The Roots Come Alive is basically a live recording of Do You Want More and there's no ill love half life on there. Do You Want More and Things Fall Apart. If you haven't heard it, I highly, re- I mean, that is probably one of the best live records ever. Yeah. It's called uh, The Roots Come Alive. It's a play on Frampton Comes Alive, which is a Peter Frampton record. But um, you send that text to me, I was like, oh my gosh. So I went straight into 100% Dundee, which is the, uh, the song that you were singing so, earlier. I think because I was a little kid when it came out and I have, you know, fond memories of that time, Do You Want More is kind of always the one that, the, the one in the heart for me, like the first one up. But I, I think we'd also be remiss if we didn't just say, we're speaking about them as a hip hop group and they, they were much more of a, a traditional hip hop group those first few albums, but I just think they're, they're maybe one of the best bands ever. I mean, they, they can do anything. They do, I mean like they transcend the genre and very few rap groups do that. And I remember a few years later, not to say that this is one of the best bands ever, but this is a band and they went on tour with Wilco, co-headlining shows, which is an odd choice because Wilco is a, Chicago slash all country band slash rock and roll band that went on tour with the roots. It doesn't make sense, but it also does make perfect sense, you know? And like last time I saw the roots, they led, they, they did like jungle boogie and bad to the bone. I mean, you know, unbelievable. They're, they're, they're solid. One of the last times I saw them, they was, I think it was in DC, but they, uh, they used to do like a medley of hip hop songs mixed in with like jazz songs. To me, they're, they're honestly more akin to a jazz band than they are to a rapper. I agree. Well, we think of like bands selling out, making it was like, I can't believe they did that. And I like the fact that Roots are on TV. They, and I saw, I saw an interview with Black Thought and the Voice voice was like, you know, sometimes you just don't want to be at a music festival in New Zealand when I drive your kids to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, that makes sense. And, and yeah, they are, they are one of those bands that we can contextualize with that argument of selling out or not. They didn't sell out, they evolved. Yeah. They evolved, and you know, it's, it's amazing. And I will say, uh, as much as I would love to talk about the roots for the next hour long, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you uh, what's, uh, what's on your corner, George? My corner, I mentioned this the other day, do athletes really wanna fight? The Dodgers played the, uh, the Astros, and one of my favorite things about this year's uh, baseball season is, the, is, first off, it's only 60 games. We haven't had any good villains in sports, maybe since like the Heat, the last good villain. And the Astros have decided that they, uh, this past year, that they are going to wear the black hat and be like 80s wrestling heels. <laughs> and usually whenever the team does something bad, it'll, they'll come out and say, we are sorry, we, we made a mistake. The Astros said, fuck that, and decided that they were going to just Wear the black hat, be the bad guys. Yeah, they definitely believe in doubling down. Oh my gosh! From the from the from the or the the owner on down, just like, <laughs> just like there's one player who's like, you know, we're probably not in the right, but no, they decided that's an organization. We're not fucking doing that. Fuck that shit. Fuck them bitches. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what I'll ask you is, uh, do you think just just to talk about the Astros for another second, do you think that? I see both sides. Okay, so so the Astros were wrong. They cheated. They won a title because they cheated. Uh, that should be condemned. They had an unfair advantage. You can directly tie that to them winning games or hitting home runs or whatever. 
However, I think that the future will tell us that they're not the only team that does this. And I wouldn't be surprised if other teams do it to the extent that the Astros did. So the calls for them to be kicked out of the league or, or whatever, you know, I think they need to be thought of in that respect. However, there needs to be some kind of punishment, right? Because the rest of the league is going to hit these guys in the head every game or throw behind them, as we've already seen. Right, right. Well, they got, they got three guys got plunked during the, an exhibition before the season started, and uh, we already knew it was going to come down. But the Dodgers, who, if you think about it, the Dodgers were probably the team that, if the Astros were the thing, may have won at least twice. Yeah, well, I think they definitely would have won once, that's for sure. I mean, you know, it's impossible to say if this or that would have happened. They would have at least made, maybe made the World Series at least once because it was that time that, that uh, Darvish, you Darvish guy just got completely blown up. <laughs> yeah, well. And they, like Clayton Hershaw just like was sitting on the bench by himself just pondering life, which is one of the best shots in the history of shots. Just him sitting <laughs> on the bench by himself just <laughs> And the Astros yeah. yeah, you Darvish, man. What if uh, what if that never happened to him? I mean, he's a guy that clearly has confidence. I mean, he's I, you know, if you're not watching him, he in my mind he's back. He's an upper echelon pitcher again. Yeah, yeah. But he has to undo the damage from the year or year and a half or so where he was terrible. But what if that Astro series never happened? Would we be talking about you Darvish Cy Young winner the last two years? Maybe. He basically got the golf equivalent of the yips. Yeah, exactly. Nabla can throw the first base because he just, just like mentally just couldn't do it. Rick and Keel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's got the yips. And then think about with all the money that was probably lost of what could have been made had he not faced the Astros. But that's all that neither here nor there. So the corner that I'm on is the athletes really, really want to fight. Because the Dodgers threw twice at the Astros two nights ago, and then the bench is cleared. And it was like, oh, these guys are about to, oh. And they just stood there. And they looked at each other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish everybody could see George right now, but some really hilarious, like, oh, yeah, mim- yeah. miming skills. Um, act that thing out. But if you're looking for an answer in a general sense, I- I'm going to say no. They, they don't want to fight. They want to seem like they want to fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold me back. I can't remember the last... What was the last good baseball fight? Or the last good fight in sports? Oh, my God. First, I, I, I just want to say we're saying this under the, the guise of sports. We do not believe in violence. We do not condone violence. But, I mean, you can make bullpen. Make it worth your while. I mean, that's just <laughs> 100 yards. I'm grasping for a recent one because there aren't many. It's mostly a bunch of bullshit and, you know, everybody comes out and... It's a bunch of toxic masculinity right, right. And, and, and stares and, and shit talking. And to your point, I was watching a game last week where the two teams almost fought. And not only do they not want to fight, I personally am having 30 aneurysms. I mean, six feet, guys, six feet. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm like looking at it. I watched the video like three times. In fact, I think I sent it to you. I was sitting there looking at it. I was, that is a lot of people talking close to each other. <laughs> It was like a dish of this, just like, ugh. I'm going to ask you, because we see it a lot in the NBA, because it's already a pretty physical game. You know, you see it in the NFL too, but they're wearing helmets and pads, so it's a little bit different. But do basketball players want to fight? 
No, there, there's the last basketball player. I'm gonna, there's a point that I'm going to get to. There's the dudes who are like the 6'5 and taller. They're not fighting. They haven't been in a fight since maybe the third grade because they've always been the biggest dude in their in their class. That, that'd be like uh, Ziggy going after Maui in season two. Granted, it seemed like a good idea, but that doesn't come <laughs> It seemed like a good idea to him. To him, yeah. Like, about, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not happened. No. Now, the dudes who are like 6'3 and under, on the other hand, those guys, not only have they been in fights and are willing to be in a fight, they're dudes you probably do not want to trifle with. So I decided, I came up with like a, like a list of dudes, 6'3 and under, <laughs> We're like, you know what? I think I'm going to sit that one out. Because Chris Paul, you don't do cheap shots and do nut shots and not want to be in a fight. That's a really good point because, honestly, when you first said Chris Paul, I was kind of like, he seems like kind of an instigator to me, uh, more, more so than, than a fighter. But you're absolutely right. He does do that kind of stuff, and you know that he's been doing it, you know, since yeah. he was. So, so I'm sure – somebody tried to step to him before. Oh, yeah. There was a – so he got in a fight with, with Ronda, which is a kind of blew up NBA Twitter last year, and uh, yes. which is one of the best fights I've ever seen because cause they, they both connected. <laughs> yeah, well, if I could pick another guy, a guy in the NBA I don't want to fight, it might be Rajon Rondo. Yeah, he too, the arms are too long. The reach, the reach will get to you. I mean, here's a guy who got 20 rebounds in the playoff game. It's like that's just – He's, he, he may not be short in stature, but his arms are basically like of a man that's like six seven. So, yeah, it would, if he was to swing at you you'd, be, you, you'd have a tough time getting out of the way of that. I found a video just messing around. It's a shame we couldn't roll this in. We need it. Hey, producer. Producer, show that video of Chris Paul at Wake Forest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now everybody can have 30 seconds where they go and YouTube the yeah. video of Chris Paul at Wake Forest. Paul, oh, <laughs> Wake Forest. And that's when he was 18 years old. So what, uh, what are the other guys on your list? Who are the other guys? Oh, all on my list. All right, now, there's a big dude that I wouldn't mess with. There's a guy from the Heat with a nut tattoo. I should have wrote this down. Whose brother is an MMA fighter. Oh, uh, uh, Joe Johnson. He yes, was yes. drafted by the Bulls originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that dude. No, thank you. Uh, he's a black belt. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also, if you've ever heard him talk or anything, he's a totally chill, kind of quiet, thoughtful dude. Those are and, oh, my God, absolutely. And you've, I don't know if you've, you've seen in games where he has almost, like somebody has challenged him. I mean, it's a snap of the fingers. And uh, yeah. He, yeah, I, yeah, don't, don't fuck with Joe Johnson. Yeah, if you're, if you're willing to... James Johnson, I'm sorry, James Johnson. James Johnson. If you're willing to throw hands... And then the team grabs you. <laughs> you're nobody you want to mess with. So his haircut is terrible. He probably sounds like a nice guy. The guy went to Stanford. Robin Lopez is another dude that you know what? Because he's probably called like, "Oh, you ain't shit. You went to Stanford. You got a brother." Like if I had a twin brother, I probably probably would fight people. Because and he and think the- about the dynamic. Brooke Lopez was always the star, yeah. and he had kind of the more polished game and, and the more, you know, all-star type game, uh, offensive-minded game. And Robin Lopez is a 30-work player. He gets rebounds. He plays defense. 
if somebody wants to challenge someone on his team, he's going to be the yeah. first fucking guy. Also, if you have a moment, look up Robin Lopez mascot because he has a thing where every team he's ever been with, he establishes a relationship with the mascot and fucks with them. And it's some of the most hilarious stuff you can watch. Also, the banter between the two of him and, and his brother, Brooke Lopez, is hysterical because they, they like cut each other down in the, the way only two brothers could. Yeah, I forget who he was fighting that then, but I think that guy may have called him Sideshow Bob because that haircut is incredible. It's, like, it's incredibly terrible. And his willingness to throw hands was out of control. And I've like, seen him throw hands a few times. Yeah, he, he's, not, he's not scared. He's not scared. No, he's not. All right, so I'm going to throw another one in here. Elvis Andrews of the Rangers is another dude you don't want to mess with. If you have some time, Google Elvis Andrews hat. For some reason, this dude does not like when people touch his head. It's really bizarre. And, and we're talking teammates. It's like teammates know that he does not like that. And he'll, he looks like he's about to murder someone. When you like, <laughs> like, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I feel like I've seen some clips of him with uh, Adrian Beltre, who is like, you know, a, a classic uh, clown. I think he yeah. was, would fuck with him. That, that's oh, Andrews or Adrian Beltre that does it? It might be Adrian Beltre because he's the one, he fucks with people. Like he's, uh, he's like a jokester and a prankster. He's very funny. It's, yeah, you don't want, it is Adrian Beltre. Do not mess with him. He's a dude that will throw hands at his own teammates for touching the top of his head. Yeah, if you'll fight your own teammates, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stay with the baseball. And this is my last one. Is uh, one of my favorite players growing up was Albert Bell. And Albert Bell was another dude. Born and raised in Louisiana. That's somebody you do not want to mess with. This is one of my favorite Albert Bell stories. One, he likes it really cold in the dugout. Somebody changed the temperature in the dugout. And he went and picked up a bat and smashed the fucking ball. <laughs> I have never heard that Elvis Bell story before. That's incredible. Yeah, and I don't think that was a Roy Rage. I think that was a dude that would just not mess with me. And he threw a baseball at a fan. So, yeah, uh, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to mess with him either. No, no, no. He's like, not a dude who's like, you know what? Like, if I was like a little kid, I'd want his autograph, but I had to ask somebody else to do it for me because I'm just not. I don't want, I don't want a grown man yelling at me. I'm 10 years old. <laughs> so could tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> for the fans <laughs> yeah well except when you get in their way yeah Albert Bell in my top five the, 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 of don't want to fuck with they, they, they're like they look, they look like they were like there was a fight that went down and oh, I think I gave you four Puig is probably number five he's kind of a wild card two basketball players Puig is number five do the fact that like them dudes like who who escaped something and then come to America almost like You've seen those movies of like, don't ride that horse. It'll just buck you right off. There's some big pictures out there that they threw at him. You'd have to, they would, that big picture, like a, like a Madison Bumgarner looks like a dude that probably get fucked some people up. But Yasuo Puig, you would have to kill him. You know what I mean? Like for him to, for them to stop. Well, somebody like him who has lived a life where he's been through the shit. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. the man literally fled his country to come. Yeah. To the states and yeah, you hear how they got here. You're like, nah. Yeah, that's that's harder than than Madison Bumgarner's fastball. Yeah, no, no, no. Madison 
Trumpers from a small town. Fuck them. Yeah, yeah. Like, Although, for the record, I, I don't want to start it with Madison Bumgarner either. No, like, do any I. guy who's nicknamed Mad Bum is probably stay away from. We're, uh, this, this podcast is going to be the best podcast ever. So at some point, he's going to hear this. He's going to come after us and be like, you know what? We were just talking about something. So show me fucking... Madison Bumgarner, if, if you're listening, please don't come and hunt us down. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, and for the record, I must say that, uh, you know, I'll speak for mostly myself, but even if I talk shit about basketball players or any athletes, they could all beat me up. I, I'm aware of that. But that being said, um, a- anything else uh, on your corner, George? No, I'm, so like uh, you're a Chicago person, so I went, we talked a little bit about this on the phone the other day. And uh, I'm going to go out there and say that sh- Chicago dog is the best dog. That's out there. And for those of you who don't know, Chicago dog is like, you could probably, I'm going to miss a few ingredients, but the, the two that are definitely needed is hot dog, sesame seed bun, pickle, not pickled relish. Poppy seed bun. Poppy seed bun. Not to, not, not to correct you, but yeah. the Chicagoan in me is like, oh God. <laughs> it's like, it's a pickle and a tomato on that joint, right? And then all the other bullshit. But you got to add a tomato on it and the poppy seed bun. When you text texted me that the other day, I think my response was uh, in all caps, Chicago dog is the only dog. Um, speaking of, speaking of, hopefully you don't hear my dog too much in the background there, but he's having a, a shit fit because he also loves Chicago hot dogs. Let me tell you something, it's like the fact that, 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 that uh, your dog is barking during the dog segment of our, of our just, you can't, you can't make that shit up. You can't. That's podcasting in uh, COVID times, guys. Just to piggyback on on your on your Chicago hot dog talk, you're right. You're right on. It's it's funny because there definitely is a as far as toppings go, there is a Chicago thing, and generally that's the green relish, tomato slices, mustard, poppy seed bun, and 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 a whole spear of dill pickle, and the optional is uh, whole hot, hot peppers, like whole like pit in brine hot peppers, which I always kind of love. But, you know, a lot of people, they, they still have, you know, I, I'm going to get shit for this from all my Chicago people, but I put ketchup on my hot dog also, which, which is a sacrilege in Chicago. But, like, at the end of the day, it's a fucking hot dog. So no, I mean, like, when I, if I was to rank the condiments, ketchup is probably in the top five, of course. But with that being said, I think you can eat it without it. It's like, it's... It's basically like having, like on a burger, not having lettuce and tomato is it's fine. But having on there is, oh, whoa. This is what it could be. <laughs> Especially if it's good lettuce and tomato. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm with that. I have, first I'll say there was a place that was kind of like, you know, a, a gourmet type place called Hot Dogs that he's since closed. He offers them at, at Cubs games now if those are ever a thing again. And it's, you know, the more... It wasn't, he had stripped down ones too, like straight up Chicago dog, but he had like, you know, foie gras dogs and, and all this. And there was always like a line lying around the block and it was incredible. And he chose to close because he was, I just don't want to do this anymore. I've done it for a long time and that's awesome. And he was Doug, the guy that he was awesome. He talked to everybody, he knew everybody's name. But what I'll say is my fondest memory of Chicago hot dog is the little old lady who sold them out of her cart at Wells Park, where I used to play Little League Baseball. And right after the baseball game ends, a bunch of like 12, 13-year-olds run into the cart, and it's just like simple boiled dog with relish and mustard. Best, best, best thing ever. 
tubed meat. Can't go wrong. Yeah, no, I, I made one by accident. It was like, I'm just, just put, just put all the stuff that you just mentioned on my dog. It was like, this is, this is how we should do this here, y'all. But no, I kind of blew my mind. Man, I need to put tomatoes and a piece of pickle on my hot dog every time I ate this thing. Didn't have ketchup on it either. Chica- that's, like I said, the Chicago way. The, I'm going to just finish up this, uh, this, this first segment here and, and just mention the last thing on my corner. And I just want to go out and shout out uh, Sabrina Ionescu's line, uh, starting guard for the New York Liberty. Her, her line yesterday, her second professional game, 33 points, seven boards, seven assists, 11 for 20 from the field, six of 10 from three, five of five from the line. I mean, that's a, that's a Russell Westbrook line. It's, you know, yeah, well, you know, she had a rough first game, but man, she was lighting it up last night. Yeah, no, I mean, I hate that she, they lost, but like, because they're 0-2, but I mean, like, just to come out of the gate, like she did, I watched the first game and she didn't play well. And then I, I saw highlights of last last game. Uh, would you say 11 of 20 from the, from the, from the 11 field? 11 of 20 from the field, 6 of 10 from the three-point line. That's, that's ridiculous. Granny, you're probably not going to be able to keep up that pace. Because now probably gets hard screens and hard pick and rolls, but Lord have mercy, what are we doing? <laughs> They're a pretty young team, so you know I think they got a lot of rookies, a lot of new players. So you know I think they're gonna they have some gonna have some rough moments, and and she's gonna have some rough moments. But uh, man, the talent is there. I mean, watching did, her coming out of Oregon, her being buddies with Kobe, did you think that she was gonna be this good this early? You know, I didn't know what to expect. I uh, I I will say that I my own ignorance has kept me away from WNBA and women's basketball for many years. Not that I ever denigrated it, but I, I just didn't take an interest and, and I'm trying to now because man, this, this, the game's awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't expect her, you know, whenever anyone in, in any sport comes out with a lot of fanfare, I always feel kind of both sucks for them that I'm not surprised at either. You do kind of expect them to struggle because you don't just wake up and become a professional. It's hard. You've gone from playing against college kids to playing against adults. That's a change. But somebody like her who's seen such a can't-miss type prospect. You You knew she was going to be good. Yeah, totally. And and that ability that she has, I mean, the quickness, her footwork. Say what you will about the competition in the Pac-12 because people always get down into the middle. like, they're not really that great. There's a lot of great basketball players. And men, men and women that play in the Pac-12, but for some reason they're just not. People don't, because if we have an East Coast bias and we have a Midwest bias, it's like, we don't get to watch much of your games. Are they that good? At the end of the day, she is the NCAA leader, male or female, in triple doubles. Now, I don't care if you played at the Swanee Institute of Technology or if you played at the greatest basketball program in the country. You lead the nation in triple doubles then you're a bad motherfucker. <laughs> you and I could play a basketball game that lasted for 15 hours and not get a triple-double. Mm-hmm. I mean, triple-doubles, they're, they're becoming much more commonplace now, but we still don't understand. That's, that's a really difficult feat. It is. It's like, yeah. uh, shout-out to Ice Cube. Today was a good day. But that's my least favorite part of that song. Mess around, I got a triple-double. Yeah, you don't mess around and get a triple-double. You don't mess around and get a triple-double. No. <laughs> no, you, you got to put in the work to get the triple-double. Yeah, exactly. Also, how long was he playing that basketball game? Also, have you ever heard of a triple-double in street ball games? The, le- the, the all-time leader in assists is like three. Yeah, exactly. Like, get the fuck out of here. So that game, just so I know, they played that game to how many points? Maybe 50? <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, all right, let's, like, let's play. It's like, we're game one. First, play, first team to fix Yo, I got next in three, in three <laughs> hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shopping with my kids, and I'll come back. The game might be over then. Cube, if you're listening, please be more accurate in the yeah, future. That's right. I got a triple-double. My I'm, I'm just kidding, Ice Cube. Please don't come after us. That's the only problem I've ever had with that song. It's like, that's right. I got a triple-double. Yeah, not, uh, not, not uh, logical. Yeah, yeah you, you should be playing the street ball. You should be, should be in the league somewhere. All right. Well, I think, uh, you know, my cor- we have had a good, good amount of talk on my corner. Uh, good corner talk. Good corner talk. I think, uh, you know, we should move into kind of our main, uh, main drag here. Uh, Lead it. The uh, TV show that we are looking at this week is The Wire. You may have heard of it. That's yeah. a joke if you haven't heard of it. What the I fuck are you doing? There is, uh, I wonder if the people who haven't seen it, but you have, have the access to see it, like they've got a computer and they've read books. The people who were friends with was like, I hear it's great, but I've never seen it. That show came out like 20 years ago. I know. I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely a time commitment. It's not a show that you can just put on. And, and I would almost argue because I'm a nut, that you have to watch it multiple times. Yeah. But you got the time right now. So. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not as if we're doing anything. Yeah. I, I got so bored during the One of my friends was tweeting out, I'm watching The Wire for the first time. And out of solidarity, I watched it with them. Amazing. <laughs> it's just so I was like, you know what? Uh, it's been a while since I've checked this out again. It's funnier than I remembered it to be. Especially those first few seasons. It's hysterical. It's super funny. There is a scene, I love callbacks, and we're going to do a little hot dog callback. Baltimore apparently has got a good hot dog scene. And when Herc and Sidenauer are arguing about which place has the best hot dog, and you just listen to the, you see the frustration on Lester's face as he's trying to listen to the conversation. Here's Sidenauer is like, can you get that dog now? Can you get it now? <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and Freeman said something that was like, would you two Ivy Leaguers shut the fuck up? And I've been wanting to call a person Ivy Leaguer for a solid two months now. You two Ivy Leaguers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no short is a great insult. Uh, shitbird is used a lot. Uh, I think we don't use that enough as a society. Uh, shitbird. Uh, yeah, just to expand on, on The Wire just for a second before we kind of get into it. My thing that I say, you know, which sounds like hyperbole, but but I, I will back it up in, in that I think it's, if not the best, one of the best pieces of American art ever produced. And I say that because it's so nuanced. There's so much going on. And, and you know, this kind of leads us into what, what we're doing with this podcast, which is, you know, putting people imagining people that we know from public life into these roles of these TV shows and, and just thinking about this first one in the wire, like there's so much fodder. There's so much there. There's so much in the characters. I mean, the individual characters alone, I, I, I usually say something like, I, I don't even see them as characters to me. They are actually real people. Yeah. You know, and a lot of them, if you know a little bit about the background of The Wire, like a lot of them are based on real people in life, you know, which is why Simon is such a great writer is that he really knows how to bring everything together under the umbrella of, you know, societal, showing, showing different levels of, of society. Yeah, shout out systems. to All the Pieces Matter, which is a, a book that I know you're reading and a, a book that I've, I've almost finished. Uh, I got a few pages left. Shout out to that writer of Jonathan uh, Abrams. Jonathan Abrams. All the pieces matter. Which I think it came out a couple of years ago, but it's like basically a 
a tell-all slash behind-the-scenes oral history of uh, the making, the shooting, and the, the, the wires, I guess, why people still like it today. So Jonathan Abrams, All the Pieces Matter is an incredible book. Yeah, wire nerds, get on your computer and order this right now. Like who played who, or who was gonna who read for this part, or who didn't get it? You're like, yeah, I, I haven't quite got into it yet. As I, you might understand, I'm swimming in, in books right now, but uh, Dude, it's I'm, on my it's on my list. I forget it's like you forget like because of COVID, when you order something, you don't you're not expect, you're not gonna get it for like a couple months. And I I've got two books in a row that I'm like, oh man, I, <laughs> I need to get it, get it together because I'm in the weeds over here. I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you, you work at it as can, I think. You, exactly. you get through it all. Um, any uh, any other thoughts, you know, just in general about, about The Wire? No, I mean, like, do you know, upon rewatching rewatching it and listening to Van Lathan and uh, the Down in a Hole podcast with um, Jamel Hill, I forgot that season two is actually really good. I think season two, season two is great. It, it's great. I, I think season two gets a bad rap, and, and honestly, I think season five gets a bad rap as well. I haven't watched as many times, but season two, I think, is exceptional. I think both individually, I think they're both very good. I can understand why people kind of hate on them, especially season two, because, you know, they they were so invested in those characters from season they one that, that we kind of went away from them. And, and, and I understand that because, like I said, those characters in season one are just they're so great and, and it's such a great introduction to this world back to how it's one of this, the great pieces of american art it is the great american novel because he zooms out and, and he shows how it affects all these different systems and, and season two is is so perfect because not only does it show this weird subculture of these stevedores of this blue collar workforce and union and all, all the problems with that, but also who they are. And, but also season two is about the distribution, the drugs and where it comes from and like right, right. how the things flow. And man, it's just, it's, it's so fascinating. Yeah. No, I mean, if you, if you go on like a weird tangent about like inner city and how, how drugs are brought in, it's not dudes who live in the project tour. There is another level, another layer of, criminal gangster masterminds that are yes and the wire didn't show this but some of those are people are in the u.s government yeah exactly anyway <laughs> we're there but like yeah yeah well you know we'll, we'll, we'll throughout the life of this podcast i yeah, think yeah. We'll, we'll put some we'll sprinkle it on some stuff yeah as the season of this podcast goes on we'll just sprinkle um well i think uh you know that's that's a good uh little chat about just the wire in general and now i think uh you know we'll get into it as far as uh who plays who you want to you want to start off well, who is your favorite character in the wire and then i'll go from there Oof, it's so hard to pick one character but for the sake of uh you know this conversation this podcast i'm just going to go with you know somewhat low-hanging fruit and say omar omar is your favorite character yeah for those of you who don't know who that is, it's like give us like a synopsis of Omar is, and I'll give you an, I'll give you who I think would be the Omar in today's professional sports. Well, Omar, the first thing to say about Omar is he's a bad motherfucker. Uh, all you need to know about Omar is he makes his living robbing drug dealers. So, so there, he's kind of like a uh, a Robin Hood character, and and he's also one of the most fascinating characters because. You know, he does these things that, that are violent acts uh, sometimes, but he has a code. He has a strong code, and 
you know, he won't compromise it. In addition to that, shout out to Michael Kenneth Williams for giving one of the most charismatic, you know, it's also the writing, but it's also the performance, one of the most charismatic, compelling characters we've seen, not to mention that plays a gay man in a role that's usually reserved for, you know, the epitome of, of masculinity and, and tough guys, of like gangsters, you know, and uh, he, he makes it sexy and tough. Yeah. You know, I think my favorite thing about him is the fact that he doesn't curse, which is weird. Can you think of all the bad dudes on the wire, the dudes you don't want to mess with, and the, the dudes are morally corrupt. And, and he doesn't curse. And then he admonishes one of his boys for cursing. It's like, why do you talk like that, yo? Fuck this. Motherfucker, this is like. That's amazing. Once you said that, I'm thinking back and I'm like, you're totally right. Yeah. And, you know, it goes back to the, the having a code. He even calls it a code. You know, he's awesome. So the, the, the uh, Omar of today's NBA. Today's NBA. Today's, today's uh, sports, I'm sorry. In today's sports, I'm going to give you a couple. I'm going to let you choose a trout of the Angels. Trot's a bad, bad, bad dude. <laughs> That's a scary dude that you do not want to mess with. Toys with the fact that he may hit 400 every year. And it's like in interviews, like when you hear him talk, you're like, he just comes across as just a regular old dude. Not someone who wants the credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Omar. Kind of like Omar. I'm going to give you Trout. I'm going to give you Durant because of like the guy who robs drug dealers. Durant, before the injury, that is the personality. The sniper, the guy is robbing drug dealers. That, that's hysterical. Uh, like the idea of thinking about Kevin Durant joining the Warriors and then teaming up with Kyrie is like him robbing drug dealers. Yeah. Well, in a way, Gomar is like, he goes to see Joe, Rob Joe, find out what's going on. In a way, kind of joins forces with Joe. On the east side, knowing football is like, he's robbing these west side bitches. <laughs> He was about, you know, about wins. Definitely. I would join up with whoever to take off these other dudes. Yes. The Western Conference and LeBron James, because at the time, the Eastern Conference. It was, it was LeBron James, unfortunately. LeBron. All right. And for my third one, I'm going to go with another sport. Did baseball, did basketball. Maybe we'll do soccer. Like a dude who's like the baddest dude on the planet in soccer. He shows you my soccer knowledge. Because I know the guy's face. He's, he's a good-looking dude with the haircut and the tattoos. <laughs> uh, I think you're thinking of the same person I am, which is yeah. Zlatan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zlatan, I'm going to butcher this, but I- Ibrahimovic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, too. Uh, that guy is incredible. Yeah. He also speaks of himself in the third person, which I believe Omar did as well. Yeah. I think of him, even though he went from European soccer and played over in America. When he got to America, I thought he became even more interesting. He would have beef with other dudes. And he would go, how old is that dude? You know what I was doing when I was that age? <laughs> <laughs> me, me, meanwhile, the guy is literally hitting 50-yard goals. I mean, yeah. it's insane. That, yeah, he, you want to talk about exciting. And speaking to your Omar comp, flashy, exciting, but gets it done. Yeah, yeah. nobody want to trifle with. Because when he got to America, everybody thought it was like, oh, that dude's done. da 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 I'm the best person in this league. <laughs> I'm 34 years old. <laughs> yeah, the, the confidence is, uh, yeah, is there, yeah. definitely. Yeah, the, the third person is also incredible. It's like, uh, I, uh, I like all those comps for Omar. I'm going to choose one. I'm going to add one into the mix as okay. well. Oof, man. I, 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of rule rule some out with you. So I'm I'm gonna rule Trout out just because I think that everybody kind of knows that Mike Trout is like the best player in baseball, but I feel like people know that as like a talking point. People don't realize how good he actually is. Yeah, he's incredible. He's probably he may go down as one of the top five or ten players in history. But he may never win a championship, and, and uh, you know, so I think Omar is maybe a little bit more yeah, out there and more more uh, results. Omar has got a couple chips. He's probably won like two times. He's got a couple chips. Yeah. And, okay. What was the next one? You Durant. did Zla- Durant. Durant's a good count. Durant is a good count. He's got chips. He's bad as fuck. But he also is kind of like a talk softly but carry a big stick type guy. He, even though he does kind of get into unnecessary. Uh, that the thing he did on the internet where he created his own burner account, that's very un Omar like. Yeah, so, yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and rule Durant out. It's, um, an age, it's an age group thing. Like I hear the stuff and I'm like, why would you do that? I get it. It sucks that people are talking stupid shit about you at the internet. You don't need to. It's cool. Don't worry about it. You're good. So that leaves us Zlatan. Both of us can get taken to task for our soccer knowledge is not super crazy high. But uh, I think that's a really good comp. I think it's hysterical. I love FIFA playing the game. I just can't remember anybody's name. I can't <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but like, yeah. I've morphed into my uncle's. What's that boy's name? The play- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the, the pleasures of old age. Yeah, exactly. Can't remember anybody's name. Yeah, I think that's a really good comp because Zlatan also, you get this thing of these guys that are fully tatted, and some of them, it's a defense mechanism. It's a front. They're not tough. They just want to look tough and scary. But Omar and Zlatan, they look tough and they are tough. You don't want to run into them. So so out of those three, I'm going to choose Zlatan. Omar of the sports world is... Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> I, I, I like that. Those are the, the the one player we knew the least about. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead uh, just because I am a uh, person who grew up in Chicago in the '90s, and I have a deep-seated obsession with the Bulls and the MJ Bulls. Uh, MJ was just kind of larger than life for for a lot of us Chicagoans and otherwise, but especially for Chicagoans. And, and uh, you know, so I'm just going to take a historical one and say that MJ is the Omar of basketball. And you uh, wanted to choose him because I was hoping you would. You would. You would. You would. You would take 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 that. Well, course. you know, when we started thinking of this concept for this show, and that was the first one that came to mind, and I almost didn't want to do it because it was almost too obvious to me. But the comparison is so good that I think it just works. And in my mind, I'm thinking about it like this. So both MJ and Omar, the baddest men around. Baddest men, the GOAT. And whoever wants to argue with that, you're wrong. (laughs) But, okay, they're the GOAT. They were so bad that most of the other people who were around just stood around and watched them work. Like, if you ever watch MJ games from especially before the championships, and even a lot of the championships, the other four guys on the court literally just stood in place and watched him work. And, and also, to, to take it to Omar, in the later seasons when everybody knew, you know, what he was about, you have guys throwing their drugs out of the window. Yeah, yeah. To just take, which became not fun for him. And also, I'll get even deeper and say that Omar was doing his thing, and he, he was going after the Barksdales. 
he was getting he was getting it. And MJ, the early nineties, he was him and him and Scotty, they were getting it. But the the eighties, you know, they weren't they were not a good team. They were not a good team. And they had to get Scotty and they had to get Horace. They had to get Bill Cartwright. And those guys had to kind of step up and be better. And Omar, he had to go get Tasha and his girls, his lover. For, I'm forgetting his name, but his second his second boy toy. But the other one. I love that Omar has a type. He does have a type. He's so young. Yeah, he does. Um, Our friends are like, dude, that dude barely out of high school. You're a grown man. <laughs> Like, if that was one of our friends, we'd be like, listen, I know you think this is fun and all, dating, like, the host at the restaurant, but you got to grow up. You got to date somebody your own age. Yeah, Omar has a type, and he's young. Young boys. He likes, he likes them young. He definitely likes some young. There's that comparison. And then things got a little hot, and he lost some people. He went away for a bit. Then it, MJ, he went to play baseball. Omar, he went uh, to prison. <laughs> and... MJ comes back and they get Rodman and they get Steve Kerr and, you know, you got Tony Kukoc doing his thing and, and Omar comes back from prison and he's got the, uh, you know, the nation of Islam dudes, uh, right, right. you know, those heavy hitters that took care of him in prison are, are now his guys and you right, definitely right. don't want to fuck with those dudes. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they went back and they, you know, again, they, they ran shit. You know, and then MJ went out and he went out on top, came to an agreement with management that they weren't going to bring him back and he wasn't going to come back. And Omar, he went out and, you know, went to the Dominican or whatever, whatever island he was on with, with his, his boy. And, and then something compelled them and, and they came back. MJ came back to the Wizards. Omar came back to take on Marlo. But neither one of them, their heart wasn't really in it. Right, right. It wasn't really in it, and it didn't, it didn't end well for either one of them. Sorry, spoiler yeah. alert. You know, like we said, you've had 15 fucking years, so yeah, no excuses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so I think that's uh, – I think that's – I feel real good about all of those and that discussion of MJ. Anything else, uh, you know, for, for an MJ conversation? Nothing I can think of. Basically covered his <laughs> – he did have to come back. It was like Omar was hanging out. and was in the Caribbean with a little boy. And he had to come back to avenge Butchie's death. I feel like that was like MJ come back to the Wizards. The game has kind of passed him by a little bit. But he had to come back to show everybody that he's still the baddest in the planet. And there were stretches in, of that season that he kind of was. But as a whole, as a lifelong Wizards fan, it was basically like, oh, yeah, you're not, you're not that dude. As a diehard Bulls fan, an MJ fan, I would even say, and I, I will pose it as a question, actually, that Wizards team, was MJ the best player on that team? Yes and no. I mean, MJ probably had the best, had the, had the best work ethic. But as far as talent-wise, he was definitely not. I agree. I, who would you say? Jerry Stackhouse, maybe? And everybody knew it was Stackhouse. Yeah. But I bet you if they played one-on-one, just for shits and giggles, MJ probably beats him nine out of ten times. I think MJ still beats anyone. I think MJ beats LeBron <laughs> right now nine out of ten times in one-on-one. Yeah. I don't think MJ would win the MVP of the league right now, mm-hmm. although, you know, uh, just because he's 50-something, if MJ was 30 right now and you and the defense is played the way it's played, he would average 50 points a game. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that's like uh, – MJ probably stack if they were playing one on one to ten, probably nine out of ten times. The thing is that MJ 
cannot play the game the next day. Because the body, the mind is always going to be there. I think I mentioned you when I was texting you, it was that those years in which the mind and the body were aligned were probably the best MJ years because the body early on was incredible, but the, but the mind wasn't there. So those years in which he's like 28 to 33 are probably the best MJ years because that's when the body and the mind were together. And that's a really interesting way to look at it because you see this a lot in baseball, especially with pitchers, is, is usually it kind of is an arc. And one rises and the other one falls. And usually you go from being a power, blow your way guy to a finesse guy. Right, right. Um, but MJ is the perfect way to, to phrase That's the perfect way to phrase that is that, that they come together because he is one of those guys. And, and I think in that, that conversation that we had, I probably argued that he might be the guy who had the longest period of body and mind and and now you know even though i i in the past have been a lebron james hater i would say probably the same for lebron in that like body and mind together i would say that still even at 35 his body he's athletically as good as anybody in the league he might not be able to withstand the rigors you know as much as he could five years ago but you know, it's funny. I was watching the uh, I was watching the scrimmage the other day, and that's probably the first time that he looked that he looked old, and he wasn't even playing because he's got the gray in the beard now, and he's got the bald spot, bald spot right there. And you're like, ooh, yeah, I know. It's weird. He was one of the first guys for me when he came into the league. I'm older than him, <laughs> and and yeah. like you know, when I'm a year older than him, and when he was 19 and I was 20. I looked like I was 17 and he looked like he was 35. All right. He always had an old face. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That being said, I, I'm going to take this opportunity to ask you, who is the LeBron James of the wire? It's probably Avon. For the wire was the wire. We looked at the Barksells as a unit and as a crew, how they fought to get those towers, just like LeBron had to fight to get those titles. And at the end of it, they're just holding on to, they're not really holding on to much, but they had a reign, the Barksdales, Avon and Brianna, they had a reign that probably lasted 10 to 15 years. And in that, in that kind of game, we're compared basketball to like a, a, a drug operation. To be on top for as long as they were on top, the Barksdales seemed to be on top for a while. You're taking a lot of shots. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. From, from the outside. I mean, yeah, if you're up, up at the top in anything, like, you're going to face some competition. Yeah. But, I mean, they proved that, like, Barksell and longevity, and Braun and longevity, time is undefeated. And eventually, the Barksells folded and they lost because they ran out of time. And I don't see the Lakers winning the – actually, I don't see the Lakers winning at all with him, with LeBron. You know, that's not a uh, that's not a popular sentiment, but I, I, I kind of agree with you. I just don't think that they really have the depth for a long playoff run, but, but like, you know. Russo's a nice little, little story, and I enjoy the fact that he looks like an old man out there. But they don't have, they don't have any guards. Avery Bradley not being down there kind of hurts. As much as I love J.R. Smith and I love Hennessy, <laughs> that granted I'm going to get in shape and get some more tattoos and then I can take my shirt off with him. But he, at the end of the day, the, the – the, 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 the guards, LeBron bringing it up every time, it's just, I don't think that's going to work. 
I don't either. They they need an offensive somebody who can push the ball, you know, and set up the. I mean, Rondo, you know, great, great point guard, great facilitator, but enough Rondo is a real thing. That's true. Absolutely. The real Absolutely. thing. I mean, you know, it's going to be exciting. This whole thing is like so, so weird. Uh, I saw, you know, not to not to get off track too much, but I did just want to share something I saw that Alvin Gentry said, which was, uh, I wrote it down because I, I thought it was so great about the restart happening tonight, by the way. It's yeah, the, it's done right. And the MLB just looks like shit. But apparently all of tomorrow's they went out somewhere, so. Dude, well, to, I don't know if you saw this, uh, but Philadelphia Phillies have been, they, they have stopped indefinitely. Because two, yeah, because one of their, they, one of their clubhouse attendants and I think someone in, in team management uh, contracted coronavirus and they have, they have stopped all baseball-related activities indefinitely. So in my opinion, in my mind, like it's only a matter of time before this all gets canceled, but you know, we're going to enjoy the train wreck while it lasts. But speaking of uh, this, this thing that Alvin Gentry said, he said, it's the biggest and best AAU tournament ever. Which is like kind of the thing that I said to you the other day, which was, uh, you know, it's like watching the Drew League. It's exciting in, in, in and of itself, but it's so bizarre. It's so weird. There's no fans. doesn't seem like the stakes are high. I, it's very you've weird. Got, you've got the, what's the video game that you have? Because that's what, I, that's what it kind of reminds me of. It's like watching a video game. Being NBA 2K, yeah. NBA 2K. It looks like NBA 2K. It does. Yeah. It does. And in baseball, it's even weirder because on some of the networks, they're digitally adding fake fans. You see fake, you see like a home run be hit and you see fake fans and you hear fake crowd noise. And then the next shot is the player rounding the bases and in the back it's all empty green seats. <laughs> and it's just pick, pick one or the other. Like you don't need to, we know there's nobody there. It doesn't make it any less weird to have c- cartoon characters in the stands. Anyway, back to the wire. I'm going to uh, take the next one, and I'm going to take Pete Rose. Switching gears a little bit, Pete Rose, and and I have a, a specific comp for him, but I'm going to open it up to you first and, and see who who is the Pete Rose of the wire. Charlie Hustle, trash trigger, arguably the greatest hitter of all time. I'm going to give you. It's like the fact that he's tragic makes me want to say Stringer Bell. But I think that might be too easy. I'm going to go, and I hate comps of like, of, of like of, of white athletes and white athletes and white characters and white characters. But the tragic, he's Sabaka. Sabaka is... Frank Sabaka? It's Frank Sabaka. The reason why is because Frank is and was, up until his demise, was the top of, his, of the game and the hustle that he did. That's a great comparison. Yeah. I'm going to give you P. Rose is Frank Sabaka, and uh, Frank Sabaka's demise is, is tragic. And even though, like, leading up there, you're like, man, Sabaka had a, it seemed like he had a run of, of what they were doing for years. And if it wasn't a, over some bullshit, I don't think he gets brought down at all. I think it just keeps going. And the same thing with the, with the P. Rose. If you don't brought down over some bullshit, Betting, betting on bullshit. more than bullshit. As is like prostitution. But then they were both brought down. Both did something wrong. But they're definitely both uh, magic characters. My dog is really upset about this. 
Let me go on season two more. Times. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Gladys is over my uh, over my shoulder, and she didn't even move an inch. So, so Frank Sabaka, Pete Rose. That's a great comparison. I yeah, they're both very tragic. I will say my my guy for Pete Rose, and I, I agree with you. I'm I'm also trying not to like, you know, we don't need to. We're not thinking in terms of like white athletes to white characters and whatnot, but. I, I did no, fall. I that like Luka Doncic is Larry Bird. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like not even, not even close. <laughs> like, if I was to compare Luka Doncic to anybody, it would be probably James Harden. My comp for for Pete Rose is McNulty. Okay. Let's and it. I say that because the talent is undeniable. Undeniable. They're both extremely good at what they do. However, not knowing either one of these people or fictional characters, um, I would say that they're probably really difficult to be around. Pete Rose and McNulty are assholes. Yeah. And, 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 you know, they don't exactly seem like fun guys to hang out with. And also, they both had to give up what they love. You know, so that, to me, that's uh, those hard-nosed assholes, but extremely gifted at what they're doing. So that's, that's for me, is uh, I, like, uh, I like McNulty, Pete Rose is the McNulty of professional sports. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll, I like that because I think at the end of the day, until they turn the corner and become an asshole, I bet you Pete Rose is probably a fun hang. I think McNulty is probably a fun hang. You see him getting drunk. Until he gets to blatto, do bad things level, I, I would yeah. agree with you. Yeah. So yeah, no, I like that. I like that comp. The, uh, the one I have for you, and uh, this is probably... He's in my top five favorite characters uh, on The Wire. And the reason why I enjoy him is because he has the ability to be funny and be like, do not fuck with me at the same time. And he reminds me of a lot of people who I've known throughout my life. They're able to toe the line of amusing, but also a terror. And when you, when you get introduced to him, you see him as a teenager, but compared to the other teenagers, he was clearly the alpha of that group. And that's Bowie. And then Bodhi is one of my favorite characters because he's, he's a, he's a, the guy is a soldier. He's a dude, he's a glue guy on a basketball team. He's a dude that does the grunt work on a, on a, on a baseball team. And on the hockey team, he's your goon who, all, who also can score points. And those dudes never make it to the top. They don't ever become Avons. They think they do. They don't become Stringer Bells. But if you have them on your side, they, are dudes that are that you do not want to mess with. Yeah, well, Bodie is like the ultimate glue guy, right? The ultimate glue guy. Yeah. So my comp for him is is probably Beverly in basketball, like a setup dude in baseball. Like a dude is like he's not going to give you the saves, but you have him in for those innings that he that to do that thing. Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller. There's like the Andrew Miller run that he had when he was for the innings is out of control. And, but he's like a dude. Is like we just hey, we gotta put, we gotta throw a dude out there, and we need this guy to, to do that thing. And, he's, and they're specific of, of what they can do. They're never gonna be a leader. They're never and gonna be. A every setup reliever in Major League Baseball since that Andrew Miller run owes yeah. Andrew Miller millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. He like single handedly made that position worth you know worth more money than it ever had yeah. been. I mean, he's like a Chara in hockey. He's a dude that's like, you know, there's a bad dude, 
but he's also not going to be he's not the baddest dude not the main dude he fills a role he's like he but you need that guy to win a championship absolutely i love that comp i love the the beverly comp as well because you know he's fucking tough as nails and and he doesn't give a fuck he will step to the biggest baddest dude ever if he gets if he feels disrespected when you see him and marlo sanfield in, in a scene he's like what's your name diddy boney he's like he goes you know my name <laughs> <laughs> yeah the fact that you don't even have to he doesn't even feel the need to say it he's like, he was like you know my name yeah. you know but, and like he tells mcnulty at the, the end of his arc he looks at him and he says i'm a soldier man I'm a soldier. There's a lot of those guys in basketball, those hard, hard hat, lunch pail guys. I mean, it's like you kind of need that for a team because you can't have you can't have a bunch of dudes who are, who are not willing to sort of take direction. You can't have five MJs or five LeBrons. Like it just doesn't work that way. Like you need a you need a, you need the Steve Kerr's. You need the uh, the the Delva Dovas. Delva Dovas guts, but. I yeah. There's a lot of people that thought Delva Delva was the best player on the team. On uh, the Bucks now, right? You need the Drew Holidays. You need the Mike Conleys. Even though Mike Conley has not had a great season. But you get where I'm going with this. It's like you need that dude who's not interested in all of the other things. He's interested in about the end game, which is winning. Yeah, like, you know, those guys that they, yeah, they do the necessary things, the things that don't get a lot of money or a lot of, you know, import the rebounding and the defense, you know, and just playing smart. I mean, to me, like, you know, the ultimate guy is Dennis Rodman. He's a little bit too flashy for Bodie. That's, that could be a different, Dennis Rodman could be like, maybe Bird. Bird seems more, more, a little bit more Rodman. Def- yes, he definitely has like some more flash to him. A lot like, um, who was a dude that played for the Grizzlies forever? They called him the Grindfather. It was uh, just, he was a guard. He wasn't, he wasn't going to score any points on you, but he was a dude that was, if you're going to score points on him, you're going to have to have everything. Oh, uh, Tony Allen. Tony Allen. Tony Allen is the perfect bogey. And I would have, I would, I would trade my star for a hundred Tony Allens. I agree. You would be better off. You'd be better off with five Tony Allens than one superstar and four bumps. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, they they come to work every day, lunch pail, and they're they're probably they're always going to be the fan favorite. Yeah, because they go all out. They, yeah. you know that's that's the the trademark of those kind of guys. They sacrifice their body. Yeah, but Bodie, let's just say Bodie was like a, a Bodie type gets traded. They're crying in the clubhouse. Absolutely. This is where I want to be. This is what this is what I chose. And it's, to them, it's not really about the money. It's about the end game. And it's about winning. And I think Bodie, it wasn't ever really about the money. No, it was, it was the life. It was the life. Yeah. As much as Bodie, as much as I would have loved to see Bodie be, become the leader of the Barksdale crew, it was, that was not in the car for him. Well, I think that, you know, both the Bodies and, you know, the Patrick Beverleys of, of the world, the people up at the very top, they see those people as expendable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like Patrick Beverly, obviously a very valuable player, but there would still be a world in which he gets traded to, so, like, quote-unquote, make a team better, you know, to get a, a bigger star, to be part of a package to get a star. If you look at it like this, it's like, so 
probably the best scene in The Wire is the chessboard scene from season one, which uh, I don't know who wrote that, like those lines, but D'Angelo explaining chess to, to Bodie and, uh, and Wallace is one of my favorite scenes in the history of scenes ever written. Because like, because you see like even the, the mind of Bodie working is like, what about these bald head bitches? It's like, those are the pawns and they get, they get knocked off unless you're a smart ass pawn, which is- <laughs> And, and having, having the foresight to, to realize his place yep. in it. Yeah, and that, that scene is incredible. I mean, the camera's going around yeah, the, the circle. And it's, yeah. you don't You don't ever see a lot of scenes like that in, the, in, in television then what you're just like, whoa, this says everything that you need to know in something sim- simple explaining chess. Like we said before, the nuance of it, of being able to do that. I put that up against television scenes, it's like, uh, or episodes of television. I mean, everybody says Pine Barrens, of the, the Sopranos is probably the best episode. And it probably is, even though I think college is a little better because you get to see everything. But like, Pine Barrens is like the most fun episode. The, the Pine Barrens is the most fun, but I think college, the college episode is the one that's because you get to see everything that this person is. And it's still at an early point in the series where it sets a tone for yeah, what's yeah. to come. Exactly. I agree. That episode is fantastic. Like, the protagonist just killed somebody? Like they're on a college trip and he's just like, well, I got to go do something right quick. <laughs> he's like, why are you sweating? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So I put that scene up against any scene in the history of television. And I'm going to throw a comedy in there uh, as far as how important that scene is to, uh, to, uh, to, to letting everybody know what the show is about. The, the contest in Seinfeld, that he can go the longest, that is like, to me, those, like, those are the top three of a, of a scene in, a, in an episode of a show. You're just like, this is what this is about. This is just next level. Yeah, I, I agree. The content's up there. Although I do have to say that we, I watched, I don't want to get off on this too much, but I did watch uh, a good chunk of Seinfeld recently in the, the first uh, few seasons with uh, my fiance, who's a little bit younger than me, you know, and so she doesn't have it in her childhood. And we're watching it, and to her, it really wasn't that funny. And seeing her reaction and watching it, I didn't think it was anywhere near as funny as I did when it, when it was a kid, you know? And also like, just, I think I, she would agree with this and that curb is just hysterical. And it's like yeah. after curb, hard to look at. Seinfeld I, think, I think it was, I think it's the contest that actually shows everybody. Oh no, this is what the show's about. Those early seasons are, I wouldn't, I, that's not a point for me. Like, like no. I well, and we forget that like television used to be 22 episodes a season. I mean, oh my God, you know, watching 22 episodes of it, it was like, end, end this now. Yeah, no, but the contest is, oh, they made a masturbation joke several times without having to say the word masturbation. Master we, of your domain. We was like, I am queen of the county. <laughs> and everybody knew what they were talking about. And they, nobody ever... It's like it's bizarre. That's great. All right. I think uh, I'm, I'm up here, right? Yeah. All right. So I, I got a fun one. I got Chauncey Billups. Again, I'm going to pose it to you and, and let you come up with, with one for Chauncey Billups. So we're All looking right. at someone who came in with a lot of fanfare, but took a while to get his act together. Yeah. I remember, I remember um, 
Chauncey Bills from college. He went to Colorado, I believe. And I thought he was good then. The beginning of his career, kind of like, and then he just caught lightning in the bottle playing for that, those Pistons teams. And uh, if we ever have guests, and I think we should, we'll have to have my buddy Joel Wachowski. Shout out to my buddy Joel, who is a lifelong diehard. This is his favorite player of all time. On those favorite Pistons teams. He's a little bit younger than us because it's like he's like, yeah, I kind of remember those Pistons teams from the 80s, but I'm like six or seven. The Pistons teams that like what they did to the Lakers is I am – I am middle school to high school, and those those teams meant everything to me. So, shout out to Joel, uh, and I, I'm a, I'm a text Joel and told him like I'm, that we're doing a podcast and like uh, my Chauncey Bills comp, comp from the wire. Given what his career ended up becoming, and the fact that he stayed, he eventually got better. I mean, of course, he did kind of plateau, and just like all NBA players, but that run that he has in the middle, I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him Marlowe. Because because he did become a champion and almost a two-time champion. And those Piston teams were straight killers. So those other dudes on those Piston teams. So he's Marlowe, but he's got Chris and Snoop and Fruit and uh, that, that other dude who, who does not want to fuck with. If he, if those other dudes are like those members of the team that are, ended up being, uh, being on the Pistons, he is Marlowe's saying. I like that. Definitely. Yeah. So let's think about who... So who's Rasheed Wallace? If if he is Mar- like who is who's Chris Part? Let me put it the other way. Who's the Chris Partlow of that Pistons team? It's Rasheed Wallace. Yeah, that's I guess that's where I was going. The side note: I waited on the dude who plays Chris Partlow. He lives in Best Eye. He could not have been a nicer dude. But when he would walk in the restaurant, everybody would. <laughs> 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 I thought he was doing thought he was doing a 20 the life stretch <laughs> like I said real hard to separate the person from the character in the wire I mean he's a lot shorter than you think because I thought Chris Parlow was like 6'3 he walks in you're like mm. it's like he's like 5'10 but even still you walk in you're like you walk in and people are like is that the dude yeah I'm sure he uh, he gets that quite a bit nice guy holy shit could not have been a nicer dude but fuck does that make Rip Hamilton Snoop Rip Hamilton, he was the – without him, they not, they're not winning. You know, they're definitely not winning. because. And he did a little bit of everything, although, you know, he was on that team more – I would say more of an offensive component. Great defender. Great perimeter defender. And also, like, somebody who was willing to fucking get into it. Yeah, no, I mean, Hamilton I love because he was a former wizard, and I thought he was – when he left, or when that, when that was – when that happened, it was like, oh, there goes, there goes the team. The Wizards always <laughs> three years away from being three years away. But <laughs> three years away from being three years away. <laughs> Oof. Rough. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a tough hang as a basketball organization. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Uh, I mean, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, and reg- you know, regardless of what the 90s were, they, that was 20-plus uh, years ago. So I, I feel your pain. Um, with Tibbs, I mean – yeah, well, we came close. It was, uh, you know, an Icarus situation. We flew uh, too close to the sun, and, you know, yeah. That's, I mean, uh, if you do that season over again, I, I think they, 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 like, they steal one from Miami. But aside, I think you get off track. I just want to say this one thing. Is Indiana was never supposed to be where they were supposed to be. 
and Paul George was never supposed to be where he was. As much as I love Paul George, and I do like Paul George, that was really Miami's fight with Chicago and not Miami's fight with Indiana. I like, expect- it's always going to be like, oh, that's a nice story, just not quite there yet. But they were like a third team of that, of that Eastern Conference team. I could spend a lot of time on that, but I won't for the interest of, you know, keeping this moving, uh, being a Bulls fan. But what I will say is with complete bias as a Bulls fan, you know, and there's no way to to know this, in my brain, they absolutely would have won one. They absolutely would have won one. I mean, Derrick Rose won the MVP as like a kid and – a lot of people were like, well, he didn't, you know, it, it was a story. It was, he won it for the story and blah, blah, blah. I still don't think people understand how good Derrick Rose really was and how good he could have been had he not gotten healthy. I mean, watching him for 60 plus or however many games I would watch of that, those seasons, this guy, he was just scratching the surface. I mean, he wasn't even, he, he had vision that he still hadn't even quite, learned how to use yet and, and he was still kind of figuring out how to be a facilitator you know and and he's definitely a sport but he's not a selfish guy he's not a selfish guy so uh yeah it's it's uh it's a goddamn tragedy that they weren't able to keep that team healthy and, and together but as it as the as the worm turns yeah but, that's that's what the fight should have been should have been those those heat teams versus no. Yeah, well, those teams, you know, it was a LeBron. They they couldn't get over the LeBron hump. I mean, before Miami, it was Cleveland, too, is that they would take them out. You know, the, there were several years under Tibbs where the Bulls had the best record or, or, you know, one of the best records in the East or and also in the league, and they couldn't get past LeBron. Uh, it's, it's always cool in sports when you when you, when you you see when the teams that are, that are facing the, the, the advance are – the antithesis of each other because that just makes for like to me sports the tv show and the best tv show which is why we have this podcast it's like the best tv show is the the complete opposite versus the yin and the yang like fighting each other and the, and if there was ever a team that was the complete opposite of those miami heat teams is the chicago teams no even said it's like they're good but they're hollywood as hell and then you got on the other side it's like who hates hollywood more than <laughs> is blue collar carry a lunch pail like i'm coming to work every day i'm not about being on camera dancing and shit yeah chicago yeah exactly yeah. so the the yin and yang of the two cities you're from chicago so you know so i'm not even gonna get to that point miami being like all flash they go to the games late they leave early it's like it's a different kind of thing and what better two teams that the complete opposites of each other than that, that chicago team you said it better than I could, and uh, I'm not even going to – I'm sure this will come up again. <laughs> I'm sure this will come up again. Uh, I, I'm going to bring it back. There were people who left during the game and tried to come back in. That doesn't happen in Chicago. In fact, in Chicago, you're looking at those guys sideways like, are you leaving? There's like a, it's like a minute left. We're, like, I want to the traffic. The game's been over for five minutes, and we're like, I want to watch them dap everybody up. <laughs> like, go, I'm, I'm not leaving until they're in the locker room. Exactly. Yeah, totally. I, I'm going to bring it back to uh, Chauncey Billups and give you my comp, which I think you're, right. you're going to like. Um, it's it's probably a little harsh on Chauncey Billups, but I'm going to explain it. Chauncey Billups is the Roland Presbolewski of of the NBA. Uh, I say that because oh, Pre- I'm, I'm very interested in how this is going to work out. Pre- Prez, 
Prez is one of those characters that, you know, at least personally, I, the first couple of seasons, he's not very likable. And I, I don't like him. He's Silver Spoon. I mean, he's, he's, he's married into it, you know, but he's, he shoots off his gun. I mean, the whole incident in the first season and he's just a clown and the exact reason why we need to defund the police because people like him shouldn't have guns. <laughs> um, how, and, and also to, to bring it to Chauncey Bill, he was surrounded by a bunch of knuckleheads. Yeah, yeah. Surrounded by a bunch of knuckleheads, part of that knucklehead culture. But, you know, he switched gears later on, switched careers for Prez and Chauncey Billups. He finally, finally, after many tries, found a team that he could, you know, sink his teeth into and, and lead and, and be that guy. You know, and, and uh, Prez Belusky found teaching and he found that he had value and that he could make a difference, you know, even if he was still kind of swimming upstream in the, in the school system, he, he was trying to, to bring, bring people up. And Chauncey with those business teams, he was the heart and soul of that team, right? Like, yeah. you know, he wasn't the most athletic or the most gifted or the toughest or the best, you know, in any individual savvy. skill. Yeah, totally. Savvy, savvy, you know, the definition of, of savvy ball player and, and, you know, someone with court vision and, and just the understanding of the bigger, the bigger picture. So yeah, Chauncey Billups, Prez Belusky. <laughs> All right. So for my final one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go into the last segment. Well, I think the last segment should be what to look for this weekend. Um, uh, for my final one for what character from the wire, I'm going to give you, we're going to go political. Um, uh, we talked about this the other day and uh, I actually was dreaming about what, how I feel about Joseph Biden. And I mentioned that like uh, the other day when we reported this, is like Joseph Biden to me is a, is a, is a backup singer. And then I thought of like <laughs> singer for what band? And I was saying, and I, and I couldn't sleep the other night and I thought of Joseph Biden as a backup singer for Harold Melvin and the Blues. For those of you who don't know, shout out to Harold Melvin and the Blues. That was one of my favorite bands of all time. Agreed. Like, was the, was, Harold Melvin was the guy. And you have these other guys in his band as the blue notes. And then there was like one guy that was a blue note that was like, I don't, I'm not a blue note. I'm a fucking leader. And that's Teddy Pendergrass. Teddy Pendergrass became another thing. Leads Harold Melvin in the blue notes. And it was like, yo, you're not, but you're, you're in this group. So Teddy Pendergrass is like Barack Obama. Harold Melvin in the blue notes is the Democratic Party. Joseph Biden sees Teddy Pendergrass leave Barack Obama and goes, it's like, I think I could, I could be that. I think I could be a lead singer. I could be a star. I was like, nah, man, you're actually just a blue note. <laughs> but you're just a backup singer. You're not a real dude. Nobody's going to ever buy your record. Like, no, no, listen, I could be a guy. I could be a star. So Joseph Biden is my uh, is the person who I'm going to talk about, and I think the comp is Cheese, because Cheese thinks that he can lead shit, thinks that he's like some sort of like bad gangster, but he's like, now you're only here because you're related, Rob Joe, and if you weren't related to him, you'd be you'd be a nobody. That's how I feel about Joseph Biden. Like you're only really here because like we're in the blue notes. But you're not Teddy Pendergrass. You're not Harold Melvin. 
<laughs> Joseph Biden is cheese from the wire. Um, that was brilliant. I, you know, Biden is is such a hard one. And when you first said Harold Melvin of the Blue Notes, I was like, ooh, too kind to Joe Biden. Um, but uh, your your extrapolation of it makes makes perfect sense. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't even have uh, to add on that because uh, I think I think you're right. Right on with that. I, I'm going to take your lead and move into politics as well. And I'm going to go ahead and say, well, first, I, I guess I ask you. You know, you've thought about this. Do you have any anybody else for Biden that that maybe could could work or, you know, it's that like I said that that's kind of a hard comp. I mean, when we were talking about it the other day. Well, I mean, like, it's like, uh, granted, like, we don't, we don't really know what kind of cop he was, he was going to be, but there, we get an idea in season five that he's like, he's clearly like competent, but I mean, he's definitely not a star, but he's also not idiotic like Hurricane Carver. And that's probably the, who's the, the cop who got shot in the season four. Oh, uh, what is his name? Dozier. Dozier. Yeah, Dozier. It's like uh, Dozerman, Dozerman, right? Dozerman, Dozerman. Dozerman. Like, Dozerman. Dozerman. You know, like really, I mean, like uh, yeah, like they're there, and you like kind of need them to be there. Yeah, you like they don't really bring a ton to the team. They're not like you know, like you're, you know they're on the team, but they're like if they got traded, they're that player to be named later. You're gonna vote for them because they're like the option. Because, exactly. But you're not happy about it. You know, you're like, oh. It's like, <laughs> It was like, there's nothing wrong with Dozer, man. You're just like, it was like, shout out to Dozer, man. You're not a bad character, but you're just, you're just a dude. Just, yeah, although, you know, he did it, he he did have, I will say, you know, and also maybe why he definitely is Joe Biden, too, is because he, he had a, some some incompetence. Because Dozerman yeah. was the one who lost his gun. Lost, he gets shot and lost his gun. Whenever lost his gun. So... So yeah, I, I like both I like both those comps, and I love that you somehow found a way to tie in Teddy Pendergrass and Harold <laughs> Melvin. I've got this music theory of fans that is fans of that kind of genre, and it and it, and it goes back as, as far back with tons of different bands, to from the the Four Tops to the Jackson Five, even like the past twenty years we talk about boy bands. There's always that one dude that you realize is like he don't need them other dudes. And there's always that one dude who thinks he's like that other dude. And he turns out, nah, you're just, you're just a dude. Justin Timberlake was definitely that dude who was like, I don't need these other dudes. And then there was that one dude who was like, do you know, I think I could be a Justin Timberlake too. But then you realize, nah, bro, you just, you're just another dude. Yeah, right? the name we're all looking for is J.C. Chazé. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, he's like, that is got, his name, right? <laughs> I had to make sure too. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you ain't, he's like, you ain't, you're just a dude. You ain't, you ain't, that dude's a dude. You're just, a, he's like, we go invite, you go come to the party, get out, but you, you ain't, ain't nobody yeah. the records like that. <laughs> no, and you, and like you need those other guys there because like you need the tones represented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't really stand out. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like, uh, they're replaceable. The and Chris Kirkpatrick, they know, that they know their place, they know their role. Like, there's that dude who's like, I could do that too, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. like that, man. You're better as a number two guy. Like, exactly. just, just be that guy. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's, we're not mad at you. You made a good living being a number two. 
<laughs> All right, I, I think we've, we, we did a good job on, on Biden. Um, I'm going to move it on. And, you know, we've mentioned this character already, but I, I just like this comp uh, and I have an explanation for it. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that Andrew Cuomo is the Frank Sabatka of politics, of, of New York, for sure. Make a case, make a case. Um, Okay, so I'm much more of a Frank Sabaka fan than I am a Cuomo fan. 100%. Frank Sabaka, great character. But, and, and a wonderful performance. Um, I'm forgetting the actor's name right off the top of my head. Chris. Uh, he's phenomenal. Yeah, Chris. Shit. Well, luckily, we have uh, Chris Bauer. Chris Bauer. Luckily, we have the internet at our disposal. Um, Chris Bauer, fantastic great character but to me he's andrew cuomo because this is a guy that paints a specific image of him and and the image is that he's one of us he's like a blue collar working dude and in that he's for like the little guy and you know maintaining these things and like you know whatever but if you look at it what he's really for is himself and lying in his pockets and lying in all his buddies' pockets. Because, you know, if you know anything about labor unions, while necessary in this country, um, a lot of them are corrupt. <laughs> a lot of them are super corrupt. And, uh, you know, this idea, and, and like, also, like, we, we never met Frank, uh, Frank's father, but I'm pretty sure he was a Steve Dorr. And uh, that's what they did. Yeah. And, you know, and, and these these families that, that, you know, you rise to the top of something and you just try as best you can to maintain control. And, and Cuomo as well, he, he pretends like he does all this stuff. But if you do, like, just a little bit of digging, everything he's actually done in real life is not, not for the masses, like, yeah. at all. At all. Like, he, you know, he does, like, he, everything he does, like, when he does something cool, I'm like, that's kind of cool. Good for him. And then, like, he'll just say something stupid. I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, well, and like he's one of these guys that, you know, will scream and yell and uh, wave his hands around and say some strong stuff. I did this and that, you know, almost a COVID response and we need this and we need that. And then you do a little digging and find out that who's been gutting the healthcare system in this state for the entire time he's been in office and taking money from the insurance, uh, you know, insurance industry, Andrew Pump. Uh, and Frank Sabatka, you know, he's willing to bend, bend the law and the rules to line, to line his own pockets. And, and he's willing to overlook heinous fucking shit. I mean, Frank Sabatka, you know, he pretends like he, you know, when they find out that it was a a prostitution ring and, and these girls died in the shipping container, he is completely up in arms and, and horrified, but yet. They keep working with them. They keep yeah. bringing the drugs in. They keep taking the money. Yeah, that, that's actually one of my one of my least favorite scenes. When I've heard people say this, in fact, I think I may even said it's like I have a mom, I have a sister, I have sisters. For and you just kind of go, but that's not what we're talking about. So then you should be protecting women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. instead of saying like your foot, like yeah, it's you know that's but that's. That's part of the course. Yeah. Well, and that's why, you know, The Wire is so good because these uh, characters are so nuanced. You know, Frank Sabak, you know, ultimately, like I said, and I definitely would not say this for Andy Cuomo, but 
I like Frank. I feel for Frank and what he goes through and, you know, he, he ultimately loses his life and, and you know, there's a, there's a hole there, but he's not without blame. And, and uh, you know, you, you do the dirt, you face the consequences. So yeah, Andrew Cuomo is Frank Sabat. Fair enough. Good, uh, good, 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 good comp, good comp. All right, so uh, I figured if we recorded, recorded this before the weekend, we should talk about or, or towards you of the weekend. So uh, I'm going to start off this weekend. What are you looking uh, looking and being around this weekend? What's going on this weekend that we should all be paying attention to? This weekend, well, first, uh, I just want to say uh, everybody who is able and can uh, look for ways to hit the streets this weekend, if you can. Uh, that would be my first thing to say. And that's kind of how we approach the weekend is we, we see if, you know, that's something we can do. As far as what's going on this weekend, I mean, basketball is starting tonight. It's, it's really been uh, one of those things where I haven't had it in the forefront of my mind. And I haven't, and, you know, I, I have to be honest to say that part of the reason is because the Bulls aren't playing. And that is my team, even though they stink. And even though I'm kind of glad that I don't have to watch the rest of their games this year, um, that does take a little bit of intensity out of it for me. But uh, I haven't really watched the scrimmage games because the idea of watching the scrimmage, I can't wrap my mind around. Well, I watched the Wizards the other day, and I felt like I was on a bad date, in which the date was just sucking the soul out of me. And then I was like having to pay for expensive drinks, and our conversations weren't going anywhere. <laughs> But then I was still hanging out with this person. And you're like, I really want to leave, but I'm here. But I'm here. It's like, because I didn't know I had the NBA channel. <laughs> like, well, I, didn't know we had, I didn't know we were going out tonight. It's like, oh, we're going out. Oh, okay. And um, sometimes it's harder to change the channel than it, than it is, you know, to, to remain sitting there. <laughs> there, is, there is some bad basketball being played out of our nation's capital, and it, and it breaks my heart. Because uh, no Davis, no Beal. Oof. <laughs> so, like, yeah, Shabazz Napier, fucking. Shabazz Napier. <laughs> I mean, shout out to Shabazz Napier, you know, totally. But if that's your your number that one was, guy, that was, that was a dude that was in. Really played, really played. Had a good, pretty good game. There's, a, there's a dude who, who I, I was like, I didn't even know that guy was on the team. He, like, I, I love, I love the the new Hitler youth white white dude haircut that a lot of white dudes have. It was like, you know, with the part on the side and shit. Dude, like, <laughs> can we not do that? Like. <laughs> No, I mean, it's literally the same haircut that, like, Richard Spencer, you know, leader of fucking neo-Nazi and shit have. Yeah, like, can we not do that? <laughs> it, it, it's like, wow, you got that. There's a lot of dudes with that haircut. Like, like wow. honestly, even, like, as a white guy, even any kind of a fade, like, I get my haircut and I say, like, I want it shorter on the sides than I do on the top, but, like, I never have gotten a fade. You don't, don't, like, don't go that far down. Like, you don't, don't, don't need to. You know, it's, it's okay. Like, it's not your thing. You don't have to make it your thing. There's a lot of dudes that are a little too high, and you're just like. Yeah, and too tight, and you're like. Ooh. My friend Kevin Love, his fade was like, and he had the gray on the sides and shit. It's like, he looked like, looked like Reed Richards from uh, Fantastic Four. Just, I was like, I didn't know that. My man was, oh, he, he's only 31? He looks terrible. <laughs> Yeah, like be Kyle Corver. Be Kyle Corver and let, like, you know, yeah. You can't have yeah. it it's, 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 I mean, it should fade into, like, it just can't go straight down. Nah, nah. It's not a good look. 
No, um, you got you got to be if you know anything about like hair clippers and stuff. Like my rule is you got to be three and above for the yeah. sides. <laughs> you can't you can't you can't you can't leave the house looking like that. He looked ridiculous. But uh, well, anyway, that dude did not play well. It was like it was like a three point marksman, and every time he got the ball, I shot it. I was like, oh, here we go. So I'm excited about the NBA too because I'm in, I'm in an NBA fantasy league. I spent a little too much money on a few guys, but I think I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, as a guy who once spent like ninety dollars on Anthony Davis at like the beginning of the draft in the fantasy league, I, I feel your pain. Yeah, I think uh, eighty three bucks in my draft, and I was like, <laughs> once you get past fifty, I'm like, Ugh. but I spent too much. I spent too much on SGA. That's, that's, a, that's a lot, but, you know, he's a guy – SGA is one of those guys that, uh, if you don't know, Shai Gilgis Alexander, he plays for uh, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's one of those guys that, like, you're, you're looking at the – I mean, he, he's going to explode. He could explode at any moment. Like a Jason Tatum this year, you know that this guy is, like, the next guy – and the talent is incredible, and the talent is great already as a young age, and you know that with a little bit of polish, there's just going to be a switch that flips, and all of a sudden, SGA is going to be like a top three-point guard in the league. Yeah, uh, the, the stat nerds like him, and uh, because he plays off-ball like a maniac, and that, that the, and when, you have, when your point guard is an all-timer, learning how to play off-ball as compared to like just standing there waiting for the he cuts to the basket like no other. No, he's 19 years old, but he plays a game at maybe like 25. And he's got the potential to be really good. And you know, as a as a as a point guard, and and same thing for quarterback. One one of the uh, one of the traits that you kind of need to have. That's like one of those things that can't really get taught. I mean, maybe you can teach yourself, but it's vision. It's vision. His court vision to be able to see not only what is happening all around him. But what is about to happen, you know, anticipating, you know, in football, it's like anticipating the, the route that the corner thinks that the receiver is running, you know, so you do a double move or, or a hitch or, or whatever, you do a pump fake. And, and it's the same in basketball. There's only so many plays and there's only so many where, so only so many places where guys can run on the court. But if you know, if you can anticipate the opponent's move, you can have that next level ability to make stuff happen. And I definitely see that in, in SGA. He's got a potential. He's got potential to be a. Uh, I'm all NBA might, is might be too high of a thing, but I think he could be right there in about three years, especially if he stays at Oklahoma City. I agree. I agree. And and you know having Chris Paul is probably one of the best things for him. Hundred percent. Yeah, because Chris Paul is definitely an adult. He's the adult in the room. Yeah, and uh, he seems like a good teacher. You know, he he because he's another one of those guys. His vision is off the charts. Yeah, he's 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 great in interviews. I love. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a he's a hilarious personality. I I think he's kind of cocky a, a bit, but a but but I do. I mean, you know, if you haven't seen, definitely look up. But the clip of him and Steve Kerr on the court together is like the most hilarious thing. Where Steve Kerr is kind of like laughing and and thinks he's joking with them, you know. And Chris Paul is like eating it up and giving him this fake smile face and then as soon as Steve Kerr turns around Chris Paul just throws a dead dead face yeah, it's yeah. hysterical I know um, like my favorite Chris Paul moment is when he's when the interview is it's like game six and it's like and they gotta win they gotta win game it's like game five but they gotta win game six of fourth game seven and that game seven is on Sunday and uh the interview goes Chris do you see yourself playing on Sunday this weekend 
And Chris Paul just goes, what? He's like, no, do you see yourself playing on Sunday this weekend? He's like, what am I supposed to say? I'm supposed to say no? I don't see us playing on Sunday. Because <laughs> they got to win game six and make it to game seven. Game six is on Friday. He's like, what am I supposed to say no? I'm like, no, I don't see us playing on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I about lost my shit when I was just like, it's like, what you mean? It's like, no, no, we're playing on Sunday. <laughs> You know, I hope that like in this in this time where we're kind of looking at everything now in different light, we we can like, stop these stupid fucking questions to athletes like that they have no you know like a guy loses a game and then they got to go out there and sit out there in a press conference and and have a question that's like how did you feel to lose how did it feel to miss that last shot or how did it feel and it's like how the fuck do you think it felt it sucked you're expecting this guy be cool with that kind of questioning and not be a dick. You know, and it's like we judge we judge these athletes being bad in, in press conferences and stuff. And I, I certainly have done that as well. And like, you know, but get the fuck out of here. You gotta be honest with yourself. If I was like a twenty two year old kid and somebody was like, How do you feel after I just came up lost and I I'd be like, I feel like you're a fucking piece of shit, and yeah. I want to hit you in the face. Camera <laughs> and I beat your ass. And yeah, like, yeah. Like, ask you how that feel. I feel like shit. Yeah, the object is to, to win the game, and we lost. Right. So I feel like shit. Like, did you think you had your game face on in the fourth quarter? I was like, did I have – what the fuck is the game face? <laughs> yeah, I get paid millions of dollars to play basketball. I'm one of five, you know, 500 or so out of millions of people. You're in the game. Like, yeah. you're in the game. You know. All right. Well, uh, what, what else? Uh, anything else for this weekend? Uh, weekend for some reason, like, uh, I know we've kind of gone back and forth on uh, the show and whether or not it's a show that we need right now, given the state of the world. But last week's episode of Perry Mason made me, and it's got two more episodes left, it made me kind of think, it's, all right, I've waited six weeks for me to, for them to get to this point, and now I'm invested, and now I have to see that out of the sense. Because that last week was by far the best episode. So shout out to Perry Mason, HBO's uh, not brilliant show. I don't know whoever called it brilliant. It looks good. I like Matthew Reese. I don't think it's a great show, but last week's episode made me kind of go, these last two hours are going to be really, really good. That's, I, I'm really glad you said that. We've, we've been, we've talked about Perry Mason, you know, bit, a bit, uh, you know, since it's aired. And I, I must say, I wish that I am caught up because I'm not, I'm a, I'm a few behind, but, but the reason I'm behind is kind of what we're talking about is that like, it hasn't really grabbed me yet be, because it's kind of like the same kind of fucking thing that we've seen a million times and kind of talked about this before, but it's like, there is there at least the first like three episodes that I, I've watched, there's stuff there that they could be mining and making it about, you know, kind of a bigger commentary type thing, but they, they kind of are leaving it alone. But I will, I, I, but I, I will say that it's exciting to hear you say that it does kind of galvanize it. To me, like the, 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 the best two characters in the show and they're starting to, you're starting to see them more is the uh, the secretary who's not in the show enough, and uh, the the black cop who's not in the show enough. In this last episode, they're both in it a lot, and now they've gone. Now they're all in. She was all in from the beginning, but you see more of her, and now she's like, oh no. Well, she's that's that's now, great to hear. He's like, no, I'm all in, no matter what happens, and now now I'm invested in this. That's great to hear, and that 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 endorsement will will make me 
want to watch the whole thing because that's kind of what I was talking about. It's like as soon as they introduce that black cop character, and it's uh, who's the guy's name? Brandon. Yeah. Um, I forget his name. Apologies, but he is very good. And you know, as soon as they introduced that character, I was kind of like, "This should be the fucking show. Like, this mm-hmm. is the show. This is the more compelling character." Uh, you know. That being said, I will say Matthew Reese is phenomenal, and and I could watch that guy read the dictionary. Uh, I think he's phenomenal, and, and I, I do think. Welsh. Yeah. Wow. That's I didn't know that either. That guy's um, Welsh. He's really, really a great actor, and. Uh, you know, the show does look phenomenal. I mean, the production design, the cinematography, it is super on point. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. And that makes me like excited to catch up and, and watch. Uh, on that TV note, I'm going to say that I, I believe, I don't believe it started yet. Um, but I'm very, very excited for Lovecraft. Uh, that starts in August. Oh, wait a second. That starts next weekend or whenever, whenever, Perry Mason. So I think it starts the 16th. Okay, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna save that then. Save that one for the 16th. But um, a new trailer's out on it. It looks great. Not to make everything uh, you know about sports, but it's been one of those things where we're, we went from nothing to now all of a sudden it's it's here and it's happening. I'm looking forward to this weekend them canceling the MLB season <laughs> because I just feel like. I feel like, first of all, it's any day now. <laughs> you know, that being said, as, as I've said throughout the last however long we've been doing this, um, I am watching it, and, and I can't look away. It's, it's one of those train wreck-like scenarios, and, and even though now I'm kind of thinking about sports in a different way as far as, like, importance in my life and trying to lessen that, but they have been very important to me. And, and But it's just you watch this, and you're like, if every, with everything that's going on in this country, do we need this shit? And also, they can't... The fact of the matter is that all these guys, I mean, some of them are wearing masks while they bat and shit, but generally, like, they're not wearing masks, and then they go into the dugout, and they're, like, high-fiving everybody. One or two coaches is wearing a mask, and they're all 30 men in a tiny space. And I'm just like, that's not the way it works, guys. Those masks don't help you if not everybody is wearing them. <laughs> We've already seen the Phillies, uh, they got shut down and, and all this stuff. So I'm just like waiting for the other shoes to drop. I'm like, when, it, like, are they, what's, how many people, how much of the league is going to get infected? You know, I'm also in a fancy baseball league. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to get everybody to bet on, on what date it'll get canceled. But I think we're going to miss that vote because I think it's going to happen. August 15th. Uh, it's July 30th, um, the date we're recording this. I'm going to take the under. I, I think it's going to happen within a week. <laughs> I mean, they've already shut – they shut today. They shut the Phillies down indefinitely. It's like they've shut two – and they shut the Marlins down, and it's like – so you're just not going to have two – like, I, I just don't understand how that's going to work. Look, we're going to be honest here. Do the, Philly, do the, the Phillies maybe you can make a case for but – do the Marlins have a chance to win anything this year? No, they don't. You know, the Phillies, you could maybe, you could definitely actually make a case for it in a 60 game season that they, they have a legit, you know, dog in the fight, uh, so to speak. Um, they got a guy who's not really a star who's a star. But, uh, hair, you know, hair, he's a, better, a baseball player, but that's just me. Speaking of bad hair, uh, Bryce Harper, get a fucking haircut. He's, he's um, letting the 
long. He's 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 he looks like he might be in an all country band. At this yeah, point. he yeah he doesn't look like a guy I want to hang out with. Um, <laughs> he's getting a little Father John Misty. Like, <laughs> going on. Like, what the hell are you doing? Um, as a Father John Misty acolyte, I, I take offense to that, but but it's all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so like I said, I'm I, I'm looking forward to this train wreck of, of sports, and it's it's just like I said, it's it's ultimately unnecessary, but it, it is fascinating, and, and it's happening, you know. So 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 we're, we'll talk about it. But yeah, anything uh, anything else you? Uh, well, you know, I think. Uh, I, I think not to bring things back to something we, we already discussed, but I think it'd be fun for us just to spend the last five or so minutes uh, taking, I, I'm going to take basketball because basketball is like a sport that you and I are both very passionate about, both very knowledgeable about watching it for most of our lives. I'm going to take one team and I'm going to let, I'm going to have us riff on that team with the wide. And, and the team I want to take is uh, the big three Celtics, 2008 Celtics. So you're talking about Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce. You're also talking about Ray John Rondo. You're also talking about Kendrick Perkins, Tony Allen, who we mentioned. He's on that squad. Um, big, big baby. Jacqueline Davis is on that team, too. I actually like that team a lot. I um, like that team as well. So you want me to compare it to, like, a season of the wire? Whatever you want to do. All right. So there, it's not season four uh, because season four is probably the Chicago Bulls team that was 72 and 10. That's because that's the best season. That's the best team. Or that Chicago Bears team in 1985, not Chicago references. I mean, keep, keep them coming by all means. <laughs> by all means. I mean, I, you guys can't see, but if you know me at all, you know how big my smile is right now. The, that, that Washington Capitals team from a couple years ago is like, cause they, that's clearly the best. So we're going to give the best of what they are. It's like a, the best team in, in sports is the best season of the wire, which is season four. With that being said, I don't think it's season two. Season two is very strong, and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say season two is as good as season four, but season two has got enough there that, that, uh, that, could, that could give season four at least a run for its money. Season five, which is probably my least favorite season of The Wire, which is still pretty good, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're that either. The Celtics are season three of The Wire, and here's the reason. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of different – Different storylines. There's like season three of the wire is like when they start talking about politics. Season three of the wire, you get introduced with uh, with Cuddy, who was one of my favorite characters in the wire. Who was who was aged nicely, and that's the way I feel. Cuddy is kind of is is almost is it's not Paul Pierce, and it's not Ray Allen. Cuddy is the is the other big three is the other member of that big three, and that's Garnett. Because he was like, he was a dude that was clearly a badass somewhere else, was in purgatory for however long many years he was in prison, which is 15 years. Comes out and he was like, is he still that same dude? And then you see him become that dude. He's like, no, this guy is clearly a bad, bad man that you don't want to mess with. But at the end of the day, he's like, you know, it's just not in me. 
And as we talked about earlier, like throughout this winter fight, Cuddy was a, was a real tough guy who got softened. Kevin Garnett is a fake tough guy who ended up just sort of just kind of fading away. But for those years that he was in the crew in that big three, he was Kevin Garnett and Cuddy were, were, were definitely together. So Boston Celtics, that Celtics scene, to me, is season three of The Wire. I absolutely fucking love that. And <laughs> I can't believe that we spent this long talking about The Wire and didn't mention Cuddy. Uh, he, to me, he is the hero of the show. And, and another character we didn't mention, which is Bugs. Um, you know, because those guys are the truly redemptive characters. And, and, you know, it shows you that not all sins are unforgivable. You know, like he, he was able to make something of his life and, and give back and find, find a lane. And also like Cuddy, you know, the, the last time we see him, First of all, he's this that amazing montage where he's running outside to headphones of Curtis Mayfield being played, and Hello. it's yeah. fucking phenomenal. And and he runs by the polling place, and they he the the canvasser tries to get him, and he looks at him. He tells him he's a felon. He can't fucking vote. Oh my god, Cuddy! If anybody should be able to vote, it's fucking Cuddy. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of things that are said with that character. Shout out to uh, the Jamel Hill podcast because they they do a whole fifteen minute deep dive on how that character is is a lot. There's a lot of people that that, that have spent so much time in prison, and when they come out, they don't know what what skills they have and what they can do, and because they all they know is that one thing. Awesome. And the system is not prison is not there to like reform you. It's there to to demoralize and break you. There to punish you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Not, not, there's like. So you can come out of reform and it's like, no, no, it's like, is there to take everything away from what, what made you, made you, you. And even if you, the phrase in this country is do the crime and do the time or, you know, however you want to phrase that. The thing is that you do the time and then you get out and you still aren't free. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Cuddy, man. Great, great fucking character. I love uh, that Celtics comp. I, I'm going to have my last thought and, and give you, what, what I thought of for that Celtics team. And I, I take, I'm going to take the major crimes unit and I'm going to make it the major crimes unit. And I'm going to make Paul Pierce Kima. <laughs> because again, somebody who had a lot of talent from the beginning, but it was around a bunch of knuckleheads was like the best of the, of the, of the knuckleheads, essentially. Not that she or Paul Pierce was really ever a knucklehead, but they were surrounded by them, um, your Herks and your Carvers. And Kima, you know, is somebody who was a little unpolished at the beginning, as far as like, you know, she needed the detective skills, but the smarts and the toughness and, you know, the, the ambition and, and the, the, also the, the, the compassion she had. She had all of those things and Paul Pierce, you know, he was somebody who, you know, he, he could, he, he's a leader by example, kind of grew into a leadership role. But those first, those early Celtics teams, like they didn't have enough talent and he couldn't really bring them, bring them together. But once they got KG and Ray Allen, they took off and I'm going to go, I'm going to expand it. And I'm going to say that Cedric is Doc Rivers because again, was like, you know, Doc Rivers was coaching that team before they got KG and Ray Allen, and they weren't very good. <laughs> you know, 
they weren't very good at all. And uh, then you get your KG. And, and so I think that, so expanding upon that, so bunk is, oof, I, I guess I'm going to make bunk KG. I'm going to make bunk KG because of the charisma, because of the, the just, you can't, when bunk, when bunk is in a scene, I'm watching bunk. I am watching bunk. I'm listening everything. I mean, Bunk is one of those great characters for me that like he can turn from being absolutely hysterical to be to saying the most meaningful fucking thing in the whole goddamn series in a heartbeat. You know, and KG is kind of one of those guys who's like kind of a clown, you know, or, or like kind of a fun-loving dude when that whistle blow, like he is he's going for it. He's going for it and he lets it out. And and so then Ray Allen is Lester Freeman. Also kind of toiled away in anonymity, but somebody who doesn't need the credit, but is a, when, when the rubber hits the road, when the shit is on the line, like he is the guy you want to go to. He is the guy you want to go to because you know what you're going to get. You're going to get raining threes from Ray Allen and you're going to get following the numbers and money in the, a way that only Lester Freeman could do. Right, right. And then the knuckleheads... Big Baby is Herc, and uh, Carver is Tony Allen, or like Kendrick Perkins. Rajon Rondo is, is McNulty, maybe. I I like it. Yeah, Major Crime Unit is uh, those big three Celtics. For <laughs> All right, well, is there, is there anything we missed, George? Is there anything uh, you feel like you need to get off your chest? Is there anything you want to say about, you know, The Wire or, or anything else? No, I think uh, – but uh, next Thursday, I know for a fact that, like, whatever's going on, we'll have a week of the NBA under a belt. We'll have a lot to say after, after seven days of basketball and what appears to be five more days of baseball. And we'll also have hockey starts today too. And – We've got, there's one other thing that's supposed to be happening. I forget. But I know hockey starts today. Scrimmages, I think. Uh, yes. We got, we got, we're going to try to see some more baseball, and then basketball starts today. So we've got a full weekend of stuff. Wow. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I would say it's going gonna, it's gonna to get weirder. It's going to get weirder. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, on that note, I think uh, that does it for uh, – you know, episode one. Here we go. Know your roles. This is uh, Dave signing off. I'm George. We'll see you next Thursday. All right, we're out. Who know the rules of the